On today's episode of Misfits on Main, we have a voicemail listening party. You'll find out what happens from now on when we use some colorful language. And last but not least, let's talk a little about George Washington's right-hand man when we review Hamilton the Musical on Disney+. Plus. All that and more, coming up. Welcome to week 15. It's another adventure on the island of Misfit Toys. I'm CJ. It's Isla. Hey, it's the Mackie Mouse. And uh, we're going to be, as you can tell by the title, hamming it up a little bit in this episode. I know, finally, to the excitement of my co-host, especially Isla. I see her already brimming. I know Mackie is excited. But first, let's check in with the fam. Let's see how they're doing this week. How's it going, you two? Uh, It's good. It's okay. I had some stuff happen since the last... Uh... Since the last time we spoke, I should probably save it for feelings. I'll save it for feelings. Spoiler alert, I shattered my camera screen. <laughs> it was pretty much the worst day. Bah, of my life, but we'll talk about it later. Anyway, how are you, Isla? <laughs> I'm good. I Nothing too crazy. Now, yeah, things over here have uh, continued from feelings last week. Uh, we will figure out a sleep schedule at some point, but uh, I, I was up at hours last night. I haven't been up uh, since college, so that's what it's like being uh, the father of a 13-month-old. Wouldn't change it for the world, but let's say we're a little we're a little tired today, so that we're going to be riding on some misfit energy. That's for sure. And a big, big way to give us an energy boost right off the top of the show. We've got five star reviews. We've got voicemails and a lot of them. So kicking things off, Mackie has a five star review for us. I, I do. My computer disagrees, but I promise it's here. There it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have a. Uh... A review entitled Super Entertaining Podcast, five stars, by Tammy Teacher. Uh, it says, when I listen to podcasts, they tend to be political or music related. However, I love this podcast. I'm not a huge Disney file, but I have fond memories of the times I've been there. I love that this podcast focuses on all aspects of the park, both bad and good. I really enjoy the rapport that CJ, Isla, and Mackie has, as well as the topics ranging from rides to attractions and food within the park. I also like the inclusion of real life. It feels like the three of you are in the same room having organic discussions. This week's episode incorporating favorite Disney music was great too. I'm so excited for next week's Hamilton podcast. Also, have you ever discussed rides slash attractions that you miss? I don't think we have directly, but that's a good one. We can. Yeah, we totally should. Island of Misfit Rides attraction? I think this is like an Island of Misfit Rides like segment here. I think we can have a uh, show yeah, on this one. That sounds like a great idea. So. I uh, dig it. Tammy Teacher continues. As an older listener, I must confess, I miss Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and Snow White's Scary Adventure. Thanks for making my Mondays more enjoyable. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Tammy Teacher. It's a very nice review. We really appreciate your uh, your kind words. I think it's hilarious that we're reading this on this week's episode where we incorporate both politics and music because true. <laughs> it's Hamilton. True. 
Yeah, and and yeah, back to back in back to back weeks. Uh, but I actually uh, I know Tammy uh, personally, and this is Tammy is one of those friends, never one of those friends who came outward and ever like judged for the Disney love. But it is one of those things that's kind of nice that like I don't think she fully understands it. And now she's listening to the podcast. She loves the podcast. So always, always appreciate uh, a, 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 turning somebody into a Disney file. You know, if we're if we're converting Disney files, I think we're doing our job, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is the uh, that is the goal. <laughs> come, come to the dark side, the misfit side. Right, we also have, as I said, multiple, multiple voicemails this week. And uh, it's cool because a couple of the voicemails are going to lead us into my my last little bit of housekeeping for the week. So uh, without any further ado, let's kick off the voicemails. First, we have uh, a return call, and this comes in from Kelly. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Hi, this is Kelly from Cinder Kelly on Instagram. What a fun episode. I cannot wait for the next Misfit Mixtape. It is all I'm going to be listening to on Spotify. I love the combined one, but I've got to say my favorite this round, although very close, has to go to Mackie. As an entertainment, theater, acapella kid, I feel like we're often on the same wavelength. I do think Phil Collins has one of the best soundtracks on all time, and I love that version of Trash in the Camp. I do also love Eye to Eye, and it's just, I love that movie. So, although I wouldn't say it's my favorite song of all time, I do have an underrated Disney Park song that would definitely make it on my playlist somewhere. Mackie, if you could throw this in there in case anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, because I don't think I'd do a great rendition of it. It's the Stargate music from the Space Mountain Q. I'm literally obsessed with it. If you guys ever need good study music or something, because I can't study to things that, like, have words in the background, so I love listening to, like, Disney instrumentals. There's a huge study playlist on YouTube of Disney Park's background music, and that's on there, and I fell in love with it. So there you go, Misfits. That would make it on my playlist, along with many of the songs on your playlist. Have a great day, everyone. That's awesome. We, uh, yeah, that's, that, I'll find that music somewhere. We we listen to those park playlists often. Uh, Taryn has the same issue. She, when she's focused on schoolwork and stuff, she uh, needs to, she usually puts on like Hogwarts rainy music or something on YouTube, but she always does like park music in the background so that is a that is a common occurrence in our in our house <laughs> i like that our listeners know that you can just insert things you're just that much of a wizard they're like please sprinkle that in there for me yeah i appreciate the uh, the producing note there i i genuinely mean that and i will uh i will act accordingly <laughs> mr i'm not creative and can't do things <laughs> people literally calling in making freaking re- requests <laughs> oh i love it i love it kelly that's a i love your uh you know i'm a little sad personally you didn't agree with me but (laughs) yeah for good reason for good reason at least the the, uh the songs you picked out of maggie's list are the ones i totally agree with uh especially so uh thanks for calling in if anybody else wants to call in and share some of their favorite in park out of park disney music that they would have on their mixtape uh for sure come let us know let us know give us a shout uh, and next, we've got a voicemail from our good friend, Claire. This was <laughs> I told Isla this week we had a voicemail that she'd be a little a little surprised about. This was the one. So this is our good friend, 999 Spyglass, Claire. Hey, CJ, Isla, and Mackie. This is Claire from 999 Spyglass. 
I am currently on a marathon drive to Chicago um, in the middle of Ohio right now, uh, but just want to call and say hi. Um, I'm cursing my past self for not leaving some episodes to listen to on this drive, but that's okay because I'm looking <laughs> forward to the one tomorrow. Um, just wanted to thank you guys for a ton of things, but for the content you're putting out, it's awesome, and I look forward to it every week. Um, for the community you're building and connecting us all together, um, for letting me make your hat, which I look forward to every time you guys get orders, um, and especially because I get to see CJ when I finish them. So uh, thanks for all of that, and looking forward to the day when we can all be back in Disney World post-COVID or maybe do a Misfits on Main group trip. Um, whatever it is, I'm in, and looking forward to the episode tomorrow. Uh, talk to you guys soon and have a great week. Bye. I can't even say that I'm Claire's number one fan because Bart is truly Claire's number one fan. Um, yeah, I I love that one. Uh, <laughs> I can second that uh, Isla is Claire's number one fan. Uh, when we've been talking, when we very first started talking about the hats and the idea of hats. <laughs> I was like, please, please tell me that you're going to reach out to 999 Spyglass. And it turns out that Claire and I literally live minutes away from each other. So it was one of those situations. It was a perfect storm. Uh, I remember we went out to Bagels and I, I can say this with 100% confidence on the podcast. Misfit March, the shop, all of that stuff does not happen without the help of of many people. But Claire is certainly at toward the top of that list because she helped me learn how to set up a shop. She helped us with the hats. She taught me a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, uh, like shipping and <laughs> just everything that I was so clueless on. Uh, so it's really awesome to have a call like that come in, because as much as she said, uh, thanks. Thank you to us for building the community. It really takes many friends like Claire that we've had for us to build this community. So um, thank you to all of the friends that make it happen. And Claire, you're certainly one of them. And, and we appreciate you. Completely unrelated. Claire has the most beautiful house I've ever seen in my life. And if I could find a corner in there to live forever, I absolutely would. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is true. She has a beautiful house and a beautiful property. Um, I absolutely and... took pictures of it the last time we were down there like an absolute creep. <laughs> But it was worth it. It's okay. Last time I was over there was to pick up hats and we snuck Riley. Now, she, I mean, she knew we were doing this, but we brought Riley over and took some impromptu photos because beautiful house needed to use needed to use the property when we can. So, uh, Claire, thank you for everything. Truly mean it. And, and it's, it's awesome having you part of this misfit community. All right. Next, uh, we have our friend Matt calling us back and calling us out for something, which is which is highly highly entertaining so here we go matt not shocking everybody calls us out <laughs> hey misfits this is uh matt k disney uh calling in again um so i was listening to the episode and you guys were going hard on max as we and should even a few expletives slipped through and i was like oh my god what to my virgin ears I'm not gonna be honest. <laughs> um yeah so i can't believe you guys were swearing oh my god i've never heard swears before um, but no, seriously, um, what the f <laughs> All right, so, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, just wanted to, uh, let you guys know I'm enjoying the show. Wanted to bust your chops a little bit. Um, give you guys some sh <laughs> So, yeah, take care. So, uh, 
Hey, Matt, <laughs> Matt's bringing up a, a, a topic that a couple people recognize and a couple people have, have hit us up about. So well, we're not going to hide from from uh, what has happened the past couple episodes. Uh, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more uh, the next topic in housekeeping. But yeah, we we we, uh, we don't bat a thousand here on the podcast. We certainly try. And we unfortunately have had a couple of things slip through the cracks in the past episodes. The big thing that helps all of us, though, is knowing that you all, as the community that you are, you let us know. So, Matt, you know, I know this was all in good fun, but Matt was one of the people that let us know, hey, I don't think you guys meant to let this slip through. Uh, keep doing that, everybody, because it shows us the support that we have um, from all of you. And you guys know that about us. So um, keep it coming when when you if you if something doesn't feel right to one of you as a listener, shoot us a DM and let us know. Um, we are certainly like all hands on deck here. And if something doesn't feel right, we want to get it fixed. So I know this was all in a fun and joking manner, but please reach out to us. We do appreciate all of you doing that. I will not be apologizing. I stand by every word that I say on this podcast. Um, and if the worst thing that you can say about me is that I have terrible language, then go yourself. Yeah. And to, if like if we're going to if we are going to play the game of putting it on any one pair of shoulders, it's on my shoulders because I've told both of my co-hosts and myself that I want us to be unapologetic so if something like that slips through the, the cracks it's on me and me alone and uh i appreciate all of you who even i mean look not a single soul reached out to me in an angry way everybody was mostly joking about it so that was the fun thing about it and we fixed it and, and we're, we're really uh happy that we were able to fix it because all of you letting us know and and we're gonna get more as i said we're gonna get onto this a little bit more in a minute but in the interest of full disclosure sometimes i edit this at like midnight yes <laughs> and sometimes like literally midnight on Sunday, like where I'm still sending CJ stuff. And uh, sometimes I skip entire sections of dialogue because I'm trying to get to the end of the show. So that, And um, like we've said previously, we have never said that we're the best. We're the most okayest. So, so true. Valid point. Do with that what you And know. we, as we're doing right now, are always going to be the podcast to take something like head on. So um, even though this was nothing, uh, we're still going to be like, hey, look, we're, we are sorry that it happened. Oh God, how controversial. <laughs> are we like, ooh, do we have like scandal <laughs> I just want everybody to know that we're we're not going to hide from it. We made we made, we certainly made that mistake. We're very thankful you let us know. It's fixed. This is our press release. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> Any questions and comments will be saved for later. Thank you. This is all I will say on this matter. And uh, now we get to go to another voicemail that's going to make Mackie's editing job very very entertaining because she knew how to do it in a way um, like none other. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey, Misfits, it's Melissa Van Whatever from the Tragical Podcast. Fun fact, it used to be Melissa Van Whatever. Just wanted to give Chris something to bleep out there. So business first, can we please drink around the world together someday? I am a good time. Uh, I don't do quote unquote girly drinks, but I will slam some beers. Ohana at any time of day is trash. Sorry to Lilo and only Lilo. Also, please have a Misfits Cruise 2025 when we get over COVID. I'm totally there. I will be chaining myself to Spaceship Earth when they try to close it. Rivers of Light is garbage, <laughs> And lastly, Isla, you are tatted mom gold, but it is bowler hat guy, girl, not boiler hat guy. I stand you guys so much, but I had to correct that. 
Anyways, have a great day. Bye. I love you so much, Melissa. You're the best. <laughs> what did she say at the end? I'm a tattooed mom what? So you, it's it's an accent thing. You call it boiler hat and it's bowler hat. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. I just So she was saying, was she's pretty much saying that you're badass, she loves you, but girl, it's bowler hat, not boiler hat. No, it's boiler. So go ahead. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're talking like I think we're talking some like uh, northeast southern thing here. I think we got the dialect. This is my Boston. Yeah, thing. I think it's just Boston coming out. But that cracks me up. I also say tour, um, and I get on for that. So. <laughs> and I love that we got a, a message from Melissa, and I and she covered so much in her voicemail in, in typical van whatever form uh i love it i love it so that was that's a great voicemail very appreciative i am very thankful for the misfits because this brought me to melissa and now we like follow each other and she is so funny it's like my type of humor where she just doesn't give a shit about other people like and their feelings which is obviously what i'm very good at <laughs> so i love that I uh, yeah I, th- I thought you guys might get along. <laughs> I'm glad that this uh, brought us together. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. It is going to happen. We're we're going to have a, a crossover podcast uh, with the tragical podcast ladies. It's going to happen. I have been working on it. We've been talking about it. We've been formatting. I wish it's it was this be like... episode because spoiler alert: Melissa hates Hamilton. Well, don't worry. There's a Melissa in our trio already. So and I, I wouldn't say hate, but yeah, uh, we'll 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 get into that in a little bit. But I uh, I'm working on what that's going to be. Uh, a, a potential magical or tragical type podcast where where we're picking topics and we all go around, but we are very hard working on getting these ladies on the podcast. So, uh, Melissa, thanks for calling in. Thanks for sharing. And yes, podcast cruise on the Disney button 2025. We'll all be on the life raft. <laughs> we'll all be on that life raft together. All right. And then the last call uh, kind of brings it home for for my my housekeeping segment of of the day. Um, this is from a dear friend of the Zad Crew community from day one, and uh, I'm going to let her, let him introduce himself. Hey, CJ, Isla, and Mackie, what's up? This is Danny. So you're asking about uh, cartoon crushes or Disney crushes. So CJ knows this, but Isla and Mackie probably don't. My first name is actually Roger, Roger Daniel. Uh, First year of kindergarten, getting called Roger Rabbit incessantly, kind of like start going by Danny uh, during my first grade year. So anyway, Jessica Rabbit's mine. My name's Roger. Back off, CJ. And my other question that I have for you is, I have a friend who is actually down at Magic Kingdom right now, and they were going in, and they were actually turned around and told they had to go back and change their masks because they were wearing N95 masks and were informed that no filtered masks are allowed. So they had to come back with uh, regular, I guess, non-filtered masks. So I was curious if you had any insight as to why they would ban an actual N95 mask. So keep it a great work, guys. Look forward to hearing the next episode. Have a good week. All right, my friend Danny, you've got the name Roger Roger Rabbit. I'm hands off, I'll be hands off your girl. If y'all remember, we we're talking Disney crushes, and I said my first was Jessica Rabbit, but Dan, Danny's got the name, <laughs> so I will I will back off. I will back off, my friend. As far as the N95, Danny, I've tried to do some research on this, and really the only thing that I'm finding is I, I think it comes down to a training thing. 
I think it is just easier for them to tell all cast members that any masks with valves of any sort are not okay. Even though these are medical grade masks, I think it's just a fine line that's easier to train everybody that they say no masks with valves at all than, oh, you know, check and see if it's an N95, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my thought. That's the only thing I can come up with. It's not, you know, the definitive Disney answer. But knowing what I do know about how this company runs, I think it's just easier for them to make one linear decision across everything and train the cast members to follow that one decision than say, unless it's an N95, because then that throws a variable in there that could get played around with. So that's my guess if I had to take one. Um, but yeah, I, I can't I can't tell you exactly why besides that. That makes sense. I mean, they are just trying to do their best to also not overcomplicate the issue i suppose um and just make it as as clear as possible because even across you know multiple parks like and security is a lot of the people who have to get deal with that at the gate and they're trained completely differently than say operations or guest service type of people it's so it's just it's it's just a lot for them to juggle and you know rather being safe than sorry and not have to argue with guests at the gate I think it just makes more sense to make blanket rules like that and then as time goes on refine them. I mean, I also agree with like having to like constantly revising like I I told Taryn the other day I'm like the fact that they keep changing the rule does not sound inconvenient to me. To me it sounds like they're being really sensitive to a fluid situation and they're not becoming stale to just make a decision and then walk away from it and hope that it continues to be the same, you know, 2 weeks later or 2 months later or whatever. I like the fact that they're constantly revising and constantly massaging, you know, the fact that not the facts, the 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 protocols because that means that somebody is paying attention to as we get new information you know, we know that they will stay up to date. It gives me at least confidence that they are keeping on top of new information as it as it comes to us as a country, but also locally and like them making their own private like business decisions. And when these kinds of weird gray areas show up, I, I give them more slack just because I'm like, I mean, they're, you know, they're doing the best they can. When they get more information, they'll change it again, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, so now it brings me to the time to talk about our curse jar. And we're gonna have a lot of fun with this now. Uh, we have decided that we, we for a while have been discussing an opportunity to highlight a monthly charity here on the podcast. If you all have been following Zad Crew Media for long enough, you know charity is a huge part of what we are all about. And we decided to bring that here to the podcast where once a month we are gonna highlight a charity. We're going to do one of our ad reads to highlight that charity, what the charity is all about, and then give a link in our profile to a donation page for that charity. So you can just go right down to the, the link in our, in our post show notes, click that link and head directly to the charity to make a donation. We're not going to handle any of the money, but where we're going to get involved every time one of us curses, drops an F-bomb, says Sh on the podcast, I'm officially, I guess, the first adding to the jar. Um, we're going to add a dollar to the jar and it's a dollar uh, of our money gets added to the jar at the end of that month. Our jar also gets donated to the charity. So I want y'all to know, no, we're not going to stop cursing here on the podcast, 
but now it's going to make we're going to make sure it goes to a good cause we're going to do a little bit extra with it so now we have a curse jar and a monthly charity to send that money to and also hopefully convince some of you to consider giving to a charity and this this month danny we're looking at you and sammy it had to be saint baldrick's foundation because uh, that's where we all started. That's where Zad Crew Media started from was our relationship with Sammy, Team Super Sammy and St. Baldrick's Foundation. St. Baldrick's is a charity known for their work in pediatric cancer research. You may know them as a charity where people sh brave the shave and shave their entire head to bring attention to the cause. We've partnered with St. Baldrick's in the past in Sammy's name multiple times, and I am really, really, really proud to announce that the start of our brand new charity campaign is going to be in Sammy's name and with St. Baldrick's uh, first and foremost. I think that's a, that's a great one to start with. Uh, if y'all don't know the, the story on Sammy, uh, that's something we'll talk a little bit about through this month as we give little snippets as to uh, the history and the and St. Baldrick's foundation. And Mackie, a little bit later in this episode, uh, will have the ad read um, explaining a little bit about St. Baldrick's and what they're all about and a call to all of us in the Misfit community uh, to, to give a little bit if we can, uh, to help this worthy charity. So thank you everybody. Uh, this, this is an idea that literally came about because y'all called us out in a playful way. And I thought, how can we do more with it? And my co-hosts and I decided this is a great way for us to, to look, to give back something that's important to all three of us. So thank you all for the opportunity. And, uh, here's hoping we can make a difference. I've seen it happen before. I have seen it happen before. I think our, our next charity jar should be uh, CJ's dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you should just make a dad joke jar. <laughs> Put a dollar oh in the God, jar. Except the only problem is I'm going to go broke. <laughs> and you guys will you guys will keep all your change. Oh, I love that. Dollar in the jar. Dollar in like the jar. Schmidt from New Girl. That's right. <laughs> the douchebag jar. <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I believe me, y'all, I have seen a small group of people uh, called the Zad Crew make a pretty significant difference before. So... Just because we're tiny, we're mighty. Let's go at this and, and let's make a difference. Well, if it's based on my language, we'll be donating millions <laughs> before the end of the year. So <laughs> a difference shall be made. Colorful. We call it colorful. That's all. All right. So we have two hot topics this week. I'm going to do them in rapid succession because let's be honest, everybody wants to get to Hamilton at this point and nobody wants to talk money. But unfortunately, in a sense that won't surprise anyone, Disney Parks revenue decreased 85% in the third quarter, equating to approximately $3.5 billion loss in revenue. While the timing of Disney Plus and its massive gains have been maybe the life ring of a otherwise drowning company, the park's unprecedented losses are sure to continue into the next quarter as COVID continues on. Media networks in the company were down 2%, studio entertainment down 55%, and the only positive mark is the direct-to-consumer direct base, which does include Disney+, Plus, which was up 2%. None of us are surprised. Hey, news I hate delivering. But, like, this is hopefully a loss that we never, ever see again. So it's news. It's news and something we had to talk about. Uh, but I don't think we really have much to say beyond, beyond that. Do either one of you have a follow-up? Uh, for money, yeah. I don't care about money. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's we're poor. all poor. Everything's broken. It's a tough time for everyone. <laughs> this country is in literal shambles. So let's just keep on keeping on. <laughs> like seriously, the the bigger news is not actually Disney. It's it's a Disney adjacent. Is that the theme parks are all just like crying 
bloody money tears right now and i think 85 percent loss in disney and them still being able to to keep chugging is uh is like a best case scenario in my <laughs> in my opinion uh universal like you know basically shut down their new park construction indefinitely until whenever and then laid off a bunch of people and then are putting out things like you know buy a one-day park ticket and we'll give you an annual pass to the rest of the year just to get you to come to the park like it's just there's a lot of things that are rough everywhere so while 85 percent sounds like a lot it probably is actually better than it could be like it could be a lot worse <laughs> and that's you know disney obviously we're not just talking parks and resorts we're talking disney corporate as well you know like studio and no movies are going in theaters right now you know like mulan just got announced that it was going to be released on disney plus instead of going in the theater for 30 there's been a lot of like change across all of their pro like across all of disney properties so it's not just parks and resorts that are hurting either it's like everything's just on pause so you know it is what it is until it's not <laughs> All right, now we have some news that hopefully turns things around and it excites Mackie a little bit. There is a return of live entertainment to Hollywood Studios. The Disney Society Orchestra started performing a new show recently at the Theater of the Stars featuring a collection from The Little Mermaid, Toy Story, and The Muppets. This show is a temporary replacement for Beauty and the Beast live on stage. There are also some character appearances during the show, including Belle and Beast for those of who missed that opportunity. But Mackie, I figured this was some good news for you as we're seeing live entertainment get pretty much crushed around Walt Disney World in total. Hey, at least we got something coming back. You're going to be a little disappointed. <clears throat> You're not happy about this one. <laughs> it's uh, it's a sore subject because, first of all, what used to be in that stage temporarily that shared the space with Beauty and the Beast in the Pixar live music show was amazing. And I loved it. Uh, I loved every minute of it. I went to see it multiple times, and that was very cool. Um, and this is sort of like that, although not not Pixar specific and not video specific. But this, <laughs> this is kind of moves just to sidestep equity, and that's kind of a problem, you know. In the absence of equity, Disney, being a business, is doing what businesses do, and they're trying to figure out what to do in the meantime. Except it just is a little bit inadvertently disrespectful to equity who just can't come to work and aren't allowed to come to work and aren't being given the opportunity to come and entertain that they're just like well we'll do it without you is like disney is not a person it's just business it's not they're not you know it's it's a little cold because that's business is cold business is just numbers and if you want to displace people and you want to move them around then you have to come up with stuff like this you know they did the same they opened disney junior whatever it's called now play something whatever live on stage and they just opened it without equity and it just you know as much as i'm you know excited to see something is there seeing the something without equity is really hard to swallow so yes and no i would be more excited if entertainment was returning it's not they're just plugging the hole with a cheap substitute and i i hate that because the people who are working on the disney society orchestra are working very hard the musicians are extremely talented you know it, it it's not to speak ill of the people who are working hard on the stuff that is opening it's just it's hard that it's replacing the true entertainment that was built there and those guys are really suffering really hard so it's a like i said it's a bit of a sore subject but i'm i'm happy if people are enjoying visiting and seeing that we were actually at studios yesterday and we meant to go see it but we never got a chance to because we ran out of time but from all the videos i've seen it's uh i'm sure it's a delight <laughs> it's just a little hard of hard of a pill to swallow 
All right, everybody. Well, uh, speaking of hard pills to swallow, we're going to get into that second half of the show where I'm sure Isla is going to curse a whole bunch as to how much she absolutely loves Hamilton. There's another one in the tip jar. Uh, so we have to sell some shirts so that we can afford for Isla to drop all these bombs that she's going to do. So let's get into it. Sell some shirts. Hi friends, hi misfits, it's me, your girl Isla. Walt Disney World is open again and personal feelings aside about that, they are a no shirt, no shoes, no service kind of place. So what do you wear to the parks? Misfit merch. Where can you find misfit merch? Misfitsonmain.com. Use coupon code Isla is the best coho. No, okay, I'm just kidding. Use coupon code PICKLE for some money off your order. Again, coupon code PICKLE like Lucky's Pickle. If you don't know, now you know. I want us all to be twinning. I want you to tag us in all of your pictures, everything. Another way to save some money, be the first to know about dope new stuff, and also maybe learn all of our deepest, darkest secrets. Sign up for our newsletter also on MisfitsOnMain.com. Comment, like, subscribe, shop, smash that like button. XOXO, Gossip Girl. All right, everybody, it's Misfit Midbreak time. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm taking the week off for two reasons. First off, I did have a travel tip in mind, but uh, I think we should get to Hamilton kind of sooner rather than later. And uh, I'm probably going to be really lazy this coming week. So uh, I'm going to kick this into next week. We're going to use the travel tip next week when I'm down in the parks. That's right. You heard it. More coming on that in feelings. But uh, Isla. You got something for us this week? So, guys, um, I was just real amped about Hamilton, so I have nothing. Mackie, do you have anything? I vote we just talk about Hamilton since we're already like 50 minutes Let's into the show. Let's just go to the room where it happened. <laughs> I agree. Let's. Well, you heard it here, everybody. We're lazy slobs this week. We're taking the week off from the Misfit Midbreak. We are ready to get down to some Hamilton. Spoiler, I think two people in this group liked it way more than a third. But uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. I'm I think I am going to be the fastest, the fastest speaker of all of us here. Uh, Not faster than Lafayette. Uh, what, who I was going to say, why are I you will... running out of time? <laughs> Originally, we were going to do this similar to how we did Inside Out, but we are we're going to change it up. This is spoilerific. There may be some things in here. If you haven't seen it yet on Disney Plus, yeah, you may want to pause and watch okay, first. I'm sorry. All of this occurred in 1776, so if this is a spoiler alert to you, this is worse than when I didn't know that Luke right. Skywalker was Titanic, dead. spoiler alert, the boat sinks. <laughs> History piece aside, um, there will be some stuff we talk lyric-wise, some stuff we talk uh, regarding the music, that if you really wanted to go into it fully, uh, you know, newbie, this is not your answer, but I still think this will help give you a little bit of background on what we thought of it. Uh, and as I said, I'm going to kind of kick things off, uh, not because I think I'm going to steal anything from anybody, but because I, I think I'm going to be the deferring opinion here. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to suck it up right away. I'm curious as to your thoughts, because I know a few people that agree in terms of like not they're just fanboying over it immediately. Uh, like I said, Melissa, I spoke to Melissa right before she watched it and I was like, no, you'll definitely like it. It's really cool. It's this really interesting way of, of you know, 
talking about history and she was like all right i'll give it a chance and they were live tweeting it and she was like i hate every second of this and i was like i don't understand what so like i'm i i really i need to talk to the because i know there's going to be people who agree with you i need to talk to the people who do agree with you and don't like it because and let me there explain needs to be a discussion <laughs> i will get into it that i it's not that i did not like it my number one thing that i will say right off the bat i did not get the hype to me things that were hyped this much can't live up to their hype very often and this was one of those situations for me all right so i kind of broke it down into like into segments and i did actors music and then the little things the actor piece right off the bat i know lin-manuel is the composer the big name uh but to me leslie odom jr as aaron burr 100 steals the show in so many ways and i think the very first scene between the two of them the dual the first dual scene between the two of them is is like as big of a telltale sign as any other part of the entire show um so i really i really know that like he he created all of this. I may get some hate from you guys for that one, but I do think that I don't even think he was top three actor or actress on that stage the entire show. I don't think you're going to get hate from anybody on that because it I don't is, think he needed to be. Yeah, he it's widely known that he is not like a like a musical theater voice. Like he said that himself. He's not the he's not like a trained you know actor. He the stuff that he's done. He's an improv guy who's a comedian and who is a songwriter and kind of lyricist. That's his, his really strong suit. The fact that he even was allowed to step into roles that he wrote so that he could properly display the thing he put on paper, you know what I mean? Is I think the magic behind him. You're not, you're not really watching him because he's an amazing actor or a singer or performer for that matter outside of the improv world, right? You're watching him because of the watching the world that he constructed. And I feel like watching someone in the costume and glove of his voice is different than watching him as Usnavi, which is a role he wrote about his own life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in Washington Heights, like you can see through his eyes and his mannerisms and the way that he delivers those lines. I've seen that role played from other people and it does not play the same show. So I think the magic behind having the guy behind that mind play the role itself, even though he's not the best one for the role, is that you kind of see where it's coming from embodied on the mind that created it. And I think that there's something really special about that. And it's smart that the producers let them do that. Part of me agrees with it, but I also think it would have been better to just bow and let somebody else do it. <laughs> so, Which he did. Yeah. I mean, eventually it was the the guy who actually who replaced him in in the Heights was his first replacement in as Alexander Hamilton, Javier Ruiz, I think his name is, um, which is funny because it's just like watching Usnavi play history <laughs> dress up. Um, but you know, he, and it, watching other people play, like the roles are originated, right? For those original characters. They're actually written for the actors that are usually cast with them. So there's certain things about the way that John Groff plays the king and all that stuff that they write it in that way. So it's weird when you watch, it's like watching someone in, in someone else's clothes. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, the, the vibe isn't quite the same. They eventually get to someone else playing it. But I do, I totally understand that argument, but I do feel like there is something special beyond the surface level like oh he's a good actor so he should play this role like there's there's something more deep about him doing it versus someone quote-unquote better 
but I don't think you're going to get hate on that because I think there are a lot of people who agree with that, myself included. I do agree. It's that that's not why I like him in it. It's for other reasons. All right. So my next bullet, my next bullet point, because there are supposed to be bullet points, and we just went on a tangent on the first one, so that's off to a great start. Sorry. Um, the, the next <laughs> bullet point is the best rapper of the cast, hands down to me, is Davie Diggs. Given his background in hip-hop, it's not surprising, but to hear him actually deliver opposed to everyone else in the cast is pretty striking. Uh, Lafayette, I think, is just a standout rapper through the entire the entire show. So uh, to me, hands down, best best rapper in delivery is uh david diggs uh i love christopher jack uh, jackson from the tv show bull dana and i first recognized him from there matter of fact to us he's the most recognizable person in the whole cast <laughs> sorry um but i was really stunned to see him play george washington because dude's got pipes like he can legitimately sing that blew me away and his stage presence was that like that was deserved of the george washington role like he demanded the stage when he was on the stage and that's that's very like washington-esque uh then my last note on actors was uh jonathan groff as king george i know isla is going to have a bunch to say about this the comedic relief character of this show 100 needed there's a lot of funny moments and funny writing in this show but every time king george is on the stage i found my eyes going to wherever he was on stage because something funny could potentially happen and that to me is a mark of a great actor when it's not even the spotlight isn't even on you and people are looking to see what your reaction is that to me is the mark <laughs> of a great actor so congrats way on you um uh, from somebody who did theater as a kid growing up that's that's like the biggest compliment i think you can give an actor when a star of the show is talking and you're in the background and my eyes are on you so yeah. wait, good on you man that was pretty awesome so um other than the first point do you guys have any counterpoints on my my bullet topics on on the actors and actresses i like that you call out david diggs for his role as lafayette because i hate thomas jefferson like <laughs> you're supposed to he's the villain I know, but like I hated him in history class and I hated oh, him in oh, this yeah. musical. Like I yeah. just don't, I just, I didn't know that people had opinions on Founding Fathers like I did, but Thomas Jefferson is such a fucking asshole. Yeah. And I just can't. So I love Lafayette and I love David Diggs and he did a great job of playing that bad guy, yep. which I guess is like a good thing for him because he did a really good job at making me hate him in the whole second half of the musical. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive. And delivery wise is just incredible, incredible, which we're going to get to uh, it, it now, because now I'm going to talk about my musical quick points, uh, which, again, I'm just going to go through quick bullet point and then we'll go back and see what you guys have to say. Um, and when I'm going through this, you're going to be like, oh, he really liked it. No, I want you to know that these are the things about it that I liked. And when my co-hosts go, I'm sure I will have some counterpoints that will make you go, oh. Um, so musically, look, I'm a hip hop kid of the like 80s, 90s. So the nods that they make through the entire musical to some of my favorites that I like legitimately grew up on, I loved. The Winner's Ball had such that awesome Beastie Boys, Hey Ladies vibe. So that was incredible. Uh, the 10 Dual Commandments, Biggie Smalls, nod all day long. Probably one of my favorite Biggie tracks of all time, the Ten Crack Commandments. So obviously, that's a very easy one. If you if you listen to those two tracks side by side, there is no doubt. And there's a ton of Biggie nods in this entire entire musical, the entire opera. So a big fan of that. Meet me inside. Obviously, uh, DMX, meet me outside from Party Up. 
uh, the cabinet battle number one and cabinet. So cabinet battle number one is like, is, is pretty crazy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world. The line from Jay-Z is, Oh, and I love that they open with, with that because it's like, Oh, it's, it's about to go down. And it, it absolutely does. Probably my favorite moment of the entire, entire show was, um, the, in the cabinet battle, the uh, classic The Message from the Grandfather Flash and the Furious Five delivered by Jefferson. Such such a blunder. Sometimes it makes me wonder why I even bring the thunder. I love that part. Had me geeking out so hard. So there you go. That's my quick t- my quick like bits of the music stuff I really loved. Uh, for anyone who is interested in going beyond <laughs> what's on the screen slash the page. Hamilton. There's obviously a lot of everything on YouTube, but I we had gone way deep into the rabbit hole uh, after we had watched it the first time, and there's so much. the The coolest thing about Lin Manuel Miranda is, is his music theory is a very specific thumbprint. Um, it it has a sound, and we've discussed this before. It has a very clear personality that follows from show to show moana and in the heights etc um and he is from washington heights in new york city i grew up in brooklyn next door around the same time that he did and i can tell you firsthand that things like big pun and biggie and jay-z and and like these were things that were playing in the street (laughs) like when you walked around it was ingrained in our childhood so the fact that he took that and internalized it into an art form is not only magical but it's so cool to watch that continuous through line and every single one of his projects has that little that he wrote the music for moana (laughs) it is a cartoon for disney pictures and it still has some feel of this like boppy you know like big pun hip-hop track from brooklyn in the 90s like it's crazy that he's able to do that and even crazier that he was able to take a founding father's history lesson and still morph it into that and it be engaging you know that sounds like a joke like that sounds like something that would that should not work at all but he took music that he grew up on and and morphed it into whatever he wanted and that that to me is feels like you know like like david and michelangelo (laughs) like that's like like that's that's (laughs) craft beyond you know the normal person's art art form that music in specific like his lyrics are really crazy a lot of good wordplay because of his background in in improv and and rapping but in like freestyle but the music theory is just out of this world uh, if anyone's interested, there is a there is a gentleman by the name of Howard Ho. He's Asian, by the way. That's <laughs> to explain his name. Uh, uh, he is a I, I believe he's a music like theory guy. He has several uh, videos on YouTube about how the chord progressions work. And even if you're not like a really big music person, music theory person, or you don't understand how that stuff works a lot, he does break it down very, very simply. But even for people who don't have music backgrounds, it's very interesting to see 
there's actually a musical storyline that is not spoken in the show that follows certain characters the way that you would underscore certain characters in a movie he he did this as an under like almost like an underscore for a film so there's a lot of like aaron burr has his own theme eliza has her own theme hamilton has his own theme and those underscoring musical thoughts are are you can actually follow them through the show to see like how people are feeling without them saying anything it's actually a really really interesting thing if you're if anyone is interested uh, howard ho ho on youtube has a bunch of really cool music theory things that talk about some of the backgrounds of where the music came from etc so just a little little fun exercise if you're interested in that kind of thing all right my last little bullet point i'm calling it the little things but sometimes the little things are the things that drive me crazy by the end of the show Pick a lane on the microphones. It's like the most like annoying thing as as somebody who watches theater when I see forehead microphones, ear microphones, and chest microphones all in the same show. Pick a lane because then it's very distracting. Um, if I expect to ear pieces in everybody and then all of a sudden I see something on your forehead, I'm staring at the thing on your forehead uh, because I'm like, what's that? Oh, you have the microphone on your forehead. Well, he has it on his ear. Oh, he's got it on his lapel. Pick a lane. It drives me freaking wild. I know it's a small thing, but I'm telling you, little things make a difference. And a production that big, I think they should have just they should have picked a lane. That's all. That's my little thing. Um, and I'll, that's just I'll, industry standard. That's just how I'll nitpick later. I'll nitpick on more later. I'm sure. Yeah, and and in in Broadway standard and stuff like that, that's fine. But when you're up close and you're going to be on film, it it should look better. It should look cleaner. So yeah, those departments don't talk to each other. So that's not like the people who come in and film and be like, I don't like all your microphones. Look, they just tell them to F off. Like, that's just how, like, because you know what I I mean? I understand. But when you're as highly anticipated as this is, it is a distracting as H E double hockey stick thing. And I I promise you now that I mentioned this, other people are going to notice that they're going to watch this and they're going to go, God, I hate that you brought that up because now it's all I see. I'm telling you it's frustrating. All right. That was my, that was it. I told you, I was like, I didn't, I, those are my bullet points. I I have more to say and counter to you guys, I am sure. But Isla, I haven't heard your voice in a long time. So why don't you why don't you take the mic and I know you you're gonna sing some praises. So go ahead and, and drop some on us. So my Hamilton review is not as in depth of as my co hosts <laughs> probably are. Um, no, it's just CJ. <laughs> but I will say, I ignored every single aspect of this musical the entire time that it has been out on Broadway because I was not a good school person. I didn't like learning. Um, (laughs) So I was like, yeah, a musical about history sounds terrible. I will never participate in something (laughs) like that. And one of my great friends, Andrea, I grew up with her. She is obsessed she's seen it twice now on broadway and just would die for hamilton and i'm like andrea i don't get it so i ignored it and then the preview came out for disney plus and i was like oh this is not what i thought i thought it was going to be like schoolhouse rock and it was not (laughs) right yeah (laughs) i had goosebumps like in the first song like as soon as it came out I don't know anyone's names. I know some of the cast names, obviously, but not everyone. I want to say that Angelica Schuyler Renee Goldberry. has the best presence on stage. I, she is so captivating. Like I could listen to her all day long and I would not get bored. If anyone wants a little bit more Renee Goldsberry in their lives, you can go find the uh, Rent on Broadway. When Rent was filmed, uh, Renee plays Mimi and she is and she's amazing. <laughs> 
I know that Lin-Manuel Miranda is not the best actor, but I like how much heart he had. He like genuinely seemed to me like he was Alexander Hamilton, even though he was not. And I think I just get really attached to characters. I'm a Pisces. Yeah. So I, I and I'm one of those people that can watch the same movie 20 times in a row. Obviously, we all know that I do this. Um, but I always wish for a different ending. Like, I'm like, please don't cheat on Eliza. Like, <laughs> and you know it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, can you just not be crappy to your wife just one time? Like, can you please? <laughs> and like, oh, it just bothers me. And then he, you know, I'm like, oh, he's not going to die. Obviously, he's going to die. Aaron Burr obviously shoots him. But the music in general, I have not stopped listening to this album since July 3rd. Yep. It's a problem. Bart only knows like three songs from the album because I listen to the same three songs on repeat. What are those three songs? Um, Satisfied, You'll mm-hmm. Be Back, and Wait For It. Those are like my top three, which are probably super basic, but that's okay. I don't that's... think so. No, those are those are really powerful. I would add uh, The Room Where It Happens to that. There's something about I them. do love that song, and then I also love um who lives who dies who tells your story oh just God. because i <sighs> sob uncontrollably like the sobbing is just not okay when i finish this musical obviously i sent you guys a picture of me crying this morning <laughs> that's did. that's facts, actual actually <laughs> yep that may actually get she doesn't know this that may actually get posted to patreon for our patrons that's fine. I know you're I fine with fully it. Embrace, yeah. <laughs> I fully embrace my emotions. I know you do. But yeah, that, that may be some a visual aid for the patrons who are like, ah, really? Yeah, yeah. We're going to we're gonna drop that over on Patreon so that you guys can see Isla legitimately shedding tears this morning when she watched it for. And w- here's the crazy thing. What t- like how many times had you watched it prior to the time that made you cry this morning? I think I've done like a full beginning to end four times. Okay, so still the the full beginning to end fourth time, and she still saw. I mean, we're talking sobbing, not tears in the eyes. We she was. This is this is the most I've seen Isla cry probably in our friendship, actually. <laughs> yeah, and I so I do have some like nitpicky things before I get to the nitpicky. I do want to say I love small casts. I love when they just have like twelve people and that's it. You don't have to like. And I know that's confusing to people that aren't really into musical theater or plays or anything like that. They're like, oh, why is this guy playing this guy now? Who's who? I like right. it like that. Yeah, me too. I think it's more um, what's the word? accessible to like yeah. lower income communities that might not be able to afford something with like a, you know, like a large cast. I just think that it's really nice. Mm-hmm. My nitpicky things are the hate that this musical got when it came on Disney Plus, not because it wasn't good or like, you know, CJ said it wasn't the best. It was the hate that people thought that it was glamorizing the founding fathers. (laughs) Right. And the only thing I have to say to that is um, if you watched Hamilton and you saw Hamilton cheat on his wife, fail his allies, send his own son to his death, have an emotional affair with his sister-in-law, be a dick to everyone around him, and think that it glorifies him, I'm not sure what to tell you. And I also know a lot of people took issue with the like the racial and color piece, and that's crazy to me that we're in a day and age that we're still talking about about. And I know that that was an issue back when Elsa was cast, a, a black female was cast as Elsa in oh, and the, the, the Hyperion in Disneyland. Yeah. That was a huge deal. Hello, people. This yeah. 
is a very, very messed up, but 2020. So, like, I can't believe that that's a conversation we're still having where I can't believe that Jefferson was played by. It's like that that talent, 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 talent. And, and to be clear, that that uh, controversy was not like, why are they letting black people on the stage? Like, it no. was it, it was actually a controversy about the fact that it was all you know, people of color was diluting the power of the actual talent of people of color because they weren't playing powerful roles. They were playing make-believe roles. It was like a really weird argument. Well, that and had a nothing lot of people had really. an issue with that some of them were slave owners. So they had, you know, right. men and women of color playing people who in their who time owned slaves. owned slaves. Like, and... <sighs> I, I, Look. Okay, but these are the same people that are mad that Ariel is being played by a black woman because yeah. mermaids apparently have a color. And like, so, I, yeah. It kills me. It's it's 2020. I know anybody listening to this, like the misfit community, we, we don't play by that. We, we get it. We understand. We all think this is pretty messed up, but I cannot believe that that's a conversation that was coming out when this made its move to Disney+. Plus. A, it, it had made its run on Broadway with all of these all of these actors and actresses and we hadn't heard anything about it now all of a sudden it's coming to disney plus and it was a big issue and and there are, and when i say big issue it was silenced out i think by the amount of support that was coming yeah. for the for hamilton but most of the detractors were banging their drum for these just couple things and i think there were two things that are find find better things to argue about i like totally i mean agree from what i understand it was an issue when it came out it just wasn't like it wasn't an accessible argument because the entire the broadway community isn't as big as the disney community obviously yeah the entire of twitter wasn't talking about it it was just within yeah like the broadway community like broadway.com forums or like people who had made that argument but it wasn't like loud loud and clear as when it came out and the disney people got a hold of it and then it became this whole big thing but it's very it, it feels along the lines of like the people who were really up in arms about the the redhead and pirates of the Caribbean being not politically correct for, you know, 2019 <laughs> when that, you know, time period is not in the two thousands, you know, it's that kind of like weird separation of applying today's ethics to period pieces, which is bizarre. And like, you know, it's a weird gray area, but I mean, there's always going to be people who apply their current intellect to something that was, you know, a period piece from when... 1776. Yeah, it's like, that's just not how it was. And, like, the fact that Lin-Manuel was brave enough to break down those boundaries just... And then and and just not even acknowledge it, just blow right by it. To the point where several times in the show, I was like, Aaron Burr's black. Like, Aaron Burr in my head is just a black guy. <laughs> like, like, I like I, after, the you know, watching the show, I was doing a lot of research on history and stuff. And I was like, I keep having to remember that... Theodosia is a very ethnically sounding name, but I had to remember like these people are not black. Like, <laughs> like Theodosia is like a crazy French girl. <laughs> like it's just and like even look at the Schuyler sisters. No, right, none of them were the <laughs> right. It's it's wild how real he made it feel. You know, and that was my one last issue. Was I know that this is a musical, and I know Lin Manuel wrote it himself, and that's great. But like, I know he had to condense history into a two hour. God thing i don't know how he did that <laughs> but some of the things like the there were not just three schuyler sisters right he, he philip schuyler had sons like mm -hmm. and 
the only reason Angelica didn't go after Alexander was because she was already married. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like be, just, you know, a couple small things that yeah. really were like, that's not what happened. Yeah, dramatic <laughs> license to, you know. Just... And another really weird thing to me, which I learned after I watched it, when Philip Hamilton dies, I didn't realize that they just kept on having sons and naming them Philip. Yes. That's yeah, totally. so Weird. Super weird. <laughs> it was very popular because they, I mean, most people, they only named their their sons and daughters like 12 names and they're like, everybody was Thomas and Philip. And, it's like know, George Foreman. Exactly. George was a big one. You know, it was like, and it was, it comes from a lot of the like, you know, British old English names from kings and royalty and stuff. And like, Eliza was pregnant with their sixth child when yeah. the Reynolds pamphlet came out. Like, you dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Like, insane. <laughs> Isla, you kind of hit on one of my biggest, biggest, like, pet peeves on one of your, like, I, and uh, just like anything else, if anybody's approaching this for its historical relevance, then, like, that's what the problem is. That's what history books are actually for. But I do have an issue with the, like, the, like, how accurate and, and, they depicted certain things. That's Good. one of Let's my... talk about this. I am ready for this conversation. Um, what What do you have a problem with? I mean, uh, I did so I, much research. I, well, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much, most of what Isla put put her put her finger on right away is that there were some details that were left out, and there's some details that were passed by, and there's. I just think that. Um, you know, nobody should be taking this as a history lesson. This is 100% a Broadway show. Do not go into Although there. Although I will say, expecting the history I lesson. wish history was taught like this. I know. It would be more entertaining, but it needs to be 100% if school, accurate. If school was taught like the musical Hamilton, let me tell you, I would be a straight A historian no right now. If everything was taught like this, for great. that matter. Yeah, I could probably do fractions if they taught math like this. <laughs> if well rapped fractions at me, I would totally get it. <laughs> I would understand algebra now for sure. <laughs> um so the raising of the guns and stuff like that, like, oh, you know, H Alexander Hamilton's son raised, turned and raised it to the sky. Again, that's like, even in history books, that's been argued f since it happened. Like, that's, right. you know what I mean? That's one side of the story. I just, sure. so I guess that's what I mean is that there's the, the way that a lot of it through it is depicted is very much from, again, the Hamilton, which makes sense, point of view. How would a Alexander Hamilton tell this Good story? Point. If he was alive, that's his point of view. Maybe in the beginning, say something to that effect that this is told from the point, my point of view, or this is, you know, my story, right. because then, you know, two, there's two sides to every story. I'm hearing Alexander Hamilton's side. I bet you Aaron Burr is going to have a different side to his story. So it's actually alluded. It's alluded to in the show that the show is actually taking place from Aaron Burr's perspective. Exactly. Hamilton. Exactly. And so that's, I guess my, my biggest point of, my biggest point of contention is that they, it is very much a Hamilton sl slighted and slanted point of view. If you look at it from a, or it, it gives the depiction of from his point of view, how he would want things to be kind of rem remembered. As Isla said, maybe some of these details left out. Uh, my son pointed the gun to the sky, never aimed it at anybody else. I didn't right. fire. I went into this. You know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's how Alexander Hamilton would want people to remember. CJ's over here like, this is Hamilton propaganda. I do not support it. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I think that that's, I guess where I, I just think that maybe maybe a, a more like present announcement of like, hey, this is one point of view of a of a historical, you know, moment. Um, 
I, that that was something that I just I don't want some I don't want and I, again this would come down to like the parenting and the teaching I don't want some kid to watch this and be like this is exactly how history happened because there's there's right. some things left out there's some things you need to learn in the book um, first so there you go so I I will I will get uh, a link to the show notes I'll find it later um, immediately after watching the first viewing of it we became very interested as many of the country became very interested in history all of a sudden we have we wanted to know like okay how much of this is real like we kept googling like how much of the hamilton musical is actually accurate and a video showed up that is a full length documentary that i believe was just produced on and put on youtube i don't know if it was on netflix or something but i'll find a link and put it in the show notes the most interesting part was that the entire documentary was partly studying Lynn's translation of the work and where the translation was coming from, like the actual Reynolds pamphlet and what it said and like actual writings from, because most of, most of the show was based on a book that he read of a, of a Hamilton historian that published like his Hamilton's writing. So he read Hamilton's actual writings and then made a, a storyline out of it. The documentary Imagine being inspired by something so boring. So like, ridiculous, right? And and a lot of the historians were like, why the hell did he make entertainment from this? Like, that's so weird. But the, his, the half the documentary is historians saying, objectively, this is how much of it is actually accurate and not. And so many of the historians said, actually, such a large portion of this show is told correctly. So like, if it was told for educational purposes for schools, I agree, CJ, it would have to be a lot more a lot less ambiguous like it would it couldn't be like dramatic license because this is um kind of entertainment first and foremost and then educational second uh i thought that he actually did do a really really good job making so much more of the show historically accurate than he could have because if it was entertainment first he could have made up a whole slew of it and just said it was based on hamilton's life but he he really did do the work to make sure that the context and the intention behind the soul of these songs and these you know dramatic moments were were giving do, doing justice to the the moments that actually were recorded as evidenced by the room where it happened you know thomas claimed Nobody knows what happened in that room. And it's so interesting to watch that song from the outside of the room, from Burr's perspective. That's kind of very much the entire show. Like no one has any idea what happened in between 1776 and 1804 when the show takes place, except for what has been recorded and passed down. And he kind of filled in the blanks for some stuff. But the stuff that he did include, historians have all agreed on, you know, like they, like like certain relationships. And there was always like a little bit of, a, you know, like there were homosexual undertones between Lawrence and, and Hamilton that historians couldn't ever agree on. And like relationships were different back then. So they couldn't figure out if it was just like overly friendly or whatever. Same thing with him and Angelica. And yes, there are some details that were skewed. And that's the kind of artistic license for it for theater purposes but the documentary spoken from the words of the historians as to what because they don't they'll just say this is all fake this is stupid like they have no problem saying that because they're not like theater fans and the fact that even they were able to say like he got a lot of this right now here's the stuff he got wrong but here's kind of how wrong it was and it wasn't that far off the beaten path which to me is a little bit impressive um so that's the only reason i say i was ready for that conversation because there's a lot of people who jump down that throat right away i'm just like this is historic historical nonsense you know and it actually is 
pretty pretty close and uh, for condensing purposes i totally get it yeah and it makes it look like philip is their pride and joy and only child and like in in today's day and age you know when people are only having three and four kids and five kids is a lot and they had like 12 that i won't lie i had to watch it a second time to understand that philip was not an only child yeah absolutely even though he literally says I have a sister, but I want a brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, oh wait, I forgot to talk about that. Um, Anthony Ramos, that's his name, right? Yes, it is. He should have just worn a sign that says, I am nine, because- what yeah the long hair that yeah it was really weird so so i you you talked briefly about the the doubling of characters right um and having people that was come. the only one that made absolutely no sense it took me a minute to be like wait what's going on like i couldn't i thought lawrence was just like doing a thing like it there there because he has to blow by so many details and so much time goes by um and it's interesting that it wasn't everybody like it wasn't like he kept three people you know, and then everybody else changed because there are some Broadway shows that do that on purpose. But it was very select people that that were not ensemble that got to like do that, which was kind of it throws you off a little bit. But I kind of like that challenge, you know, to pay attention to what's going on. I feel like he even writes into Lin-Manuel even writes into some lyrics to you had to you got to pay attention. And so in as one example, Angelica Schuyler says, you know, it's like Ben Franklin, you know, it's like keying a kite. And then yeah. there's a dead break in the music and everyone stops and she goes, you see it, right? And so there's a bunch of things online that were saying that he wrote, because people were asking questions on Twitter, uh, that he wrote that literally to catch the audience up with the character because the character was going so fast and giving so many details that he had to just like give a pause so that people could like take a breath and then keep going. And Angelica in some ways was doing that to the audience as well. So that kind of like... You know, it, he really does force you to pay really close attention if you play if you pay attention to when Je- Thomas Jefferson is introduced. Uh, there's yes, a line. Yes, he introduces himself. He introduces uh, him. He says, uh, "You haven't met him yet," and it's a really quick line that speeds by. When Hamilton was released, they did a Twitter watch party, and Lin Manuel's wife Vanessa said, "I watched the show a million times, and when that part came up, she said, oh, I just got that he wrote in." You haven't met him yet because you're about to watch the first case of Lafayette, a character you've already met, playing Thomas Jefferson, you know, the same character playing both roles. And she's like, very clever, Lynn, very clever. And I was like, I don't that I would have never got that. It's little things like that that you add to, like, really make people pay attention. And he he doesn't lower his standard to, like, the standard of Broadway is this. He really does push people to keep up lyrically musically artistically creatively it's just like that's i think where the hype comes in is that it's a little bit more of a layered experience than just it's a history lesson in in hip you know done with hip-hop it's you know people of color flipping the script and playing white people it's it's not that black and white i think it really does have some deep complexity to it that that's what makes it unique to broadway at least that Broadway has never tried to do anything like that before. Not that kind of speed, not that kind of dense context, and not that kind of so many tropes that are brand new in the same show. I think that's really where the hype comes from because every time you watch it, you can catch a little... People were talking about the bullet as a character and watch this character for this thing and the music. Like, There's just so many things you can latch on to. So I have two quick rabbit holes. I will not dive too far down i just want to get them out there um the first one is the rapping people online were talking about how 
all the entire cast raps because they need to get their words out because they are running out of time because they all die. And the only one who doesn't rap is Eliza because she outlives everyone. And I'm just like, like, wow. Oh, my God. Screaming. And the (laughs) other one also has to do with Eliza. And it's the gasp. Sure. I did not actually look up what it means, but I did see the thing about how it's Lynn breaking the fourth wall, bringing Eliza and showing her the audience that her story was told. And that's why she gasps. Right. And I'm going to hold on to that. And I hope that that's the truth, because that makes me uncontrollable every single time. (laughs) So is that Uh, why we got the crying, the crying uh, picture this morning? Yes. Well, no, it's when she says, can I show you what I'm most proudest of? And then they all go, the orphanage. And I'm like, (laughs) True story, real orphanage. That is the real first orphanage in New York City. That's all real. That's the most beautiful part is when Eliza just, when she says it, she goes, I put myself back in the story and she just like owns her shit. And I'm like, you are so amazing. So the the truth is there is no truth. (laughs) There is no spoon. So I can keep my truth on my gasp? I mean, literally, Lin-Manuel was... like next to bullied on Twitter to give up what the reason was behind that because he he was you know tight lipped about it and he finally said that he wrote that to be whatever your internal translation of it is because some people said it was her getting into heaven and seeing Alexander again it was her seeing all of her friends again it was her breaking the fourth wall and seeing the audience in the show and her story being told some people said it was her looking into the future and actually seeing that people were having a like a conversation like and he said it's all of those things and whatever the thing that resonates with you the most like that's what he loves the most about that type of open-ended writing is that you can make it the perfect ending for you so it's like choose your own adventure if you liked option a go to page 96 if you like option b go to page 72 if you like option c go to page 14 if you went to page 14 you know like you knew when you went to page 14 that it was like a very short story like (laughs) that was the end like you read like five pages in and you were done but choose your own adventure yeah a little bit and and that's kind of a really smart way of doing it and very profound like very strong you know here's all the facts and then here's an emotional thing Oh, it just gets me every time. And the funny part is no matter which one of those things you choose, it's always emotional. It still always hits you in a, in that way that he intended. It, yeah, like whether it's her seeing Alexander, which like, oh my God, if you're really searching for Alexander in heaven, like girl, come on, standards. But like, oh, it's right. just so good. But she spent the, so much of her, dedicated so much of the rest of her life to like bring his reputation back that that would be a really good payoff to be to to let him know that she fixed everything you know it's like there's a lot of like really kind of deep psychological things with any of those choices but yeah a lot of people were just like she's overacting it's too much and like you don't get it you don't get art at all <laughs> go away <laughs> oh my god i thought it was so fantastic oh my god you don't get art like yeah if you're just judging it based on that then just step aside oh you uncultured swine if you don't like that then just honestly go <laughs> all right since we've had a lot to talk about uh mackie uh some quick some quick top i know you've got some like deep dive stuff for us so yeah i'm i'm kind of more of a of an open discourse kind of kind of reviewer i don't do bullets and and like notes and stuff i kind of like to just bob in and out however um there are some some quick things that i 
did some research on that I I really enjoyed as a as a fan of the show. Obviously, there's all of the all of the music stuff. That's a huge huge thing in the show. Like you're literally hip hop and history and have no business talking to each other. But he did it right at the end of the show in the credits. If anybody doesn't know this, he has uh, all of the music credits like you would see in a film. Like all of the the tracks in the show have credits to it where he thanks in each one of them the inspiration that he took. So like Christopher Wallace as Biggie Smalls is is written as a lyricist for uh, Ten Dual Commandments, which is nuts, like a post, you know, like death uh, lyricist credit. He does that for all of the people that he he was inspired by. Any track that has a little line in it or something like that, he, he has that in there. And then in the special thanks at the very bottom of the credits, he writes in all of the places where he wrote the music. So Dominican Republic on a honeymoon in Washington Heights on literally the first one is on the A train. He thanks the MTA because he wrote some of the songs on the train on the way home. Like, so it's kind of a cool, like cool thing. Um, I totally agree. Obviously Lin-Manuel is not the, you know, the, the great actor as much of a genius as he is in, in the other stuff. Leslie Odom Jr. though, is just a powerhouse, mm-hmm. like a very powerful, dramatic powerhouse too. He's able to play something like uh, the room where it happens or wait for it. That's really, really high drama. And then take it all the way back to reserved, calm, quiet burr. Like that dynamic range is something he doesn't get a lot of credit for because there's a lot of flashier other things. Talk yeah. less, smile yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's interesting how when you're first given that, that piece in the show, you go, first of all, I've definitely heard that before especially for anybody who's a little bit more extroverted, right? I've I've personally definitely heard that before, like stop babbling, just be quiet and and know your place, right? And you come to realize in the show... Life of an ADD kid, I heard it all the time. Right? Yeah. And you learn in the show that that's not actually the best advice, which is kind of a, an interesting flip to kind of see that, you know, made the villain trope is talk less, smile more is actually bad. As the resident female of the podcast, yes, I have heard it. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's that's a real big that's a real big female thing. That's that's a very, you know, kind of common thing that unfortunately women hear all the time. So it's nice to hear that. uh put in its place that idea that you should go for what you believe in you know and and i think that so, that shows that have a really strong backing actually honestly that's the reason why i love happily ever after because there's an undertone to it that is you know go for what you believe in like follow your dreams and like do like be be brave enough to take the risks and stuff and hamilton does that a lot um for anybody who wants to do some extracurricular work if you have hulu go on hulu and watch uh, we are Freestyle Love Supreme. Freestyle Love Supreme, for anybody who doesn't know, is the uh, improv group that Lynn manuel started very, very early. This is pre-In the Heights. This is pre—nobody knew who he was. They were just another comedy improv group in New York City. And his people uh, traveled with him. He found Chris Jackson at the time. He was like 19 or something like that. Uh, uh, this guy, UTK, who you, you would know him from— Pitch Perfect, the the Indian rapper, he was from Freestyle Love Supreme. There's a lot of people who came out of that. It's kind of like the uh, 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 Upright Citizens Brigade, UCB. Like everybody knows that group for comedy. And Freestyle Love Supreme is like the Lin-Manuel legacy. Like the guy who directed In the Heights and um, Hamilton came from that group. The musical guy, Alex Lacamoire, the 
choreographer <laughs> Andy uh, Blankenbuehler. Like all those guys were his guys from the very beginning. Freestyle Love Supreme kind of goes through their story from the beginning. So Hamilton's integrated in there, in the heights integrated in there. But you get a little bit deeper dive into the the guys, like the actual people. Uh, actually, Aladdin, the guy who plays G, uh, the genie from Aladdin, James Inghart, is also one of their original guys. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of like Broadway history there. Um, and last. Uh, learning lyrics from the show is insane insane you just want to sing you know to your favorite stuff and like david diggs has what has been recorded as the fastest lines ever to be spoken to be rapped on a broadway stage ever <laughs> like the most syllables and words per second <laughs> in a show that has ever been written uh and it shows it's he he not only is amazing but the way that the stuff is structured is just incredible so i really do genuinely want to know from people who don't like it and why um because the this much like isla i i reacted to it very strongly very early and was upset that i was not on the bandwagon five years ago when this was really a thing yeah i feel fake because i i had just missed it all together i was out of new york i didn't have an opportunity to see it i couldn't somebody i think gave me a bootleg at one point and i'm like yeah i'll get to it whatever and i wish i had known what i was missing but now that i got to experience it like so up close and personal i just could not i have not been able to get it out of my head <laughs> so yeah we we uh freestyle love supreme and this guy howard ho on on youtube are really good starting points i did a lot of wikipedia but there are a few youtube things that will clarify some of the the gaps that hamilton does leave so um if you want to know more or maybe have some frustrations with it, uh, so a little bit of, of that might help to give some context uh, to your uh, to your problems. But personally, I, I feel like I need a whole nother episode to really <laughs> get into the nitty gritty of of scenes and how they're written and how they portray stuff. Chris Jackson is one of my favorite singers ever, like on Broadway. He's he's so raw and so relatable and Isla, if I had to choose a favorite, um, one last time makes me cry. Horrible, ugly baby tears every single time. <laughs> Just the, the idea of leaving your legacy and what you know—the last time that you're going to address people of that follow you or are influenced by you—is just such a profound statement. And hearing Chris's voice sing it is nuts. Oh my gosh! Yes, Hamilton's actual YouTube page uh has some projects you know hamilton related projects that are there there is a track on there one last time is done it's called the one last time 44 remix it's got it's got barack obama i don't know how they did this barack obama reading george washington in the middle doing his his famous speech when he left office barack obama reads that and then chris jackson singing it in the background instead of hamilton reading it and then B.B. Uh, Winans, I think her name is, uh, gospel is a gospel choir behind him at the end. Instead of it just being him, it breaks into gospel at the end. And it is a spiritual experience <laughs> to hear One Last Time done that way. So do yourself a favor. Go find One Last Time 44 Remix on YouTube. It's on Hamilton's YouTube. Uh, and cry a lot. Because uh, if you don't, then I don't know how your emotions work. Because uh, I turn into a babbling little baby. So hopefully if if this ends up being a, an episode that uh you you misfits out there enjoy then uh you know maybe we'll get a chance to do something 
even deeper than this, you know, over overview review type. Um, Cause I think that would be really exciting to really dig into some, some details uh, that we can kind of go back and forth with. Cause there's, there's a lot to chew, chew on with this or, or with some other movie or some other concept instead of an overall review, like a really kind of deep dive. I think that well, the the good news is it's in the hands of the misfits. The bad news is Mackie. They have to really, really impress me because as much as it's your decision on the back end, I really need to hear that you all love this for us to ever talk about this show again on this podcast. <laughs> so y'all better show up. If you loved it, tell Mackie, tell us, call in, let us know. Uh, and there's a lot. There's a lot to say. I have a lot to say. I'm censoring myself heavily because there's a lot to <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. I was going to say at some point CJ has to go on vacation. So maybe me and Mackie will just do um, an episode <laughs> where it's just a me, a me and Mackie talking about things that CJ hates. A Hamilton Stan episode. <laughs> be Good thing you guys still don't know how to post it to our to our. Uh, <laughs> nope. I don't know anything. About <laughs> That's that. right. Yeah. You guys can record it. I just don't know where it's going to go. Um, well, just put it on Facebook Live or something. <laughs> All right, it is time. It is time to talk about our charity of the week. Mackie is going to kick things off right now with a little bit of a read about St. Baldrick's. Hey everyone, Mackie here. So we briefly spoke about our curse jar and uh, charity that we will be donating to uh, every time we uh, use a little bit of colorful language on the show. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to uh, briefly speak about the charity that we are donating to. Uh, it's called the St. Baldrick's Foundation. Uh, since its start in 1999, St. Baldrick's Foundation uh, has become the leading private founder of childhood cancer research grants in the US. These research grants are crucial for our better understanding and treatment of pediatric cancers. Um, as a group, we first connected with the St. Baldrick's Foundation in 2017 uh, with our Make Magic for Sammy drive, and we're totally honored to work with them again and to help combat childhood cancer. Uh, we have a link in our show notes that'll take you directly to a donation page with St. Baldrick's, and it'll give you the opportunity to make uh, a difference uh, and an impact before this episode is even over. So on behalf of the St. Baldrick's Foundation, thank you. All right, Mackie, thank you so much for talking a little bit about St. Baldrick's Foundation. And now, as always, let's talk about our feelings. All right, this week, we're going to kick it off with our Disney spin. You know, we're going to try something a little bit different. We're calling it a Molotov's and Mickey bars. So this week, my Molotov is uh, home renovation, the good and the bad and like the fun of it. Yeah, I like I like picking out the countertop. I like picking out the backsplash. Like the sink stuff was kind of fun and cool, but I'm, I'm also at the point now where somebody else do all of that. I'm over it. So there you go. My Molotov this week is I kind of just want to throw a Molotov in the middle of my kitchen and walk away and just see what happens. Um, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> home renovation. It's it's wild. It's a lot. So Isla, what do you have? What's your Molotov this week? Bad weather. Um, we had a really bad windstorm last night because of hurricane tropical storm name I can't pronounce. Uh, <laughs> and it has just knocked down so many trees and branches and our like four towns in our area are just there's like no power, no internet. It's wild. So it's the wild west up here for right now for the next couple days. So that's my bad. Yeah. We we got we got a little bit of that storm on the way up to you. So I feel you for sure. 
Mackie, what you got in your Molotov? Uh, I alluded to earlier in the episode, I broke my camera. I just dropped it onto the ground and it shattered. (laughs) My screen shattered anyway. Uh, The camera is still functioning, but it desperately needs to be repaired. So... I guess accidents. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> it was, just, it was, it literally happened in slow motion. I was just directing my beautiful wife uh, while she was modeling and it, it, my hands got really sweaty and cause it was really hot and it just, it just happened. And I've used it for two years and never had anything even remotely close to that happen. And it's just one of those things. I wasn't wearing wrist strap, so I'll have to get one of those now, but now I just dealing with the heartbreak of like having to deal with this big bill from a broken camera really sucks. But it's just one of those things that happens and you, you know, move on with life, I guess. First, Mackie, um, I haven't had that happen, but a friend of mine has had that happen near me enough that there the a lens broke and mm. just the sound was enough. Yeah. That every oh, yeah. photographer within like 15 feet checked their gear. So <laughs> I, I can't tell you I know what it feels like, but I can tell you I know the moment of like worry that you felt yeah, so yeah. like I, I remember that that was awful. Yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's just the scariest terrifying. thing sound you've ever heard. All right, so now it's time for some some happy times, some Mickey bars. And speaking of Mickey bars, probably a week from today, I will be eating a, a Mickey bar. We are recording here on a Wednesday, as you all are listening on a Monday. If you're listening Monday afternoon, I'm packing. If you're listening Tuesday, we are on the road driving to Orlando. That's right. We got like the whole gang, the kiddo, the dogs. We are like setting up a camp uh, for, for a five-day a long weekend, we're calling it a super long weekend so that Dana and I can get away for a little bit and uh, visit my in-laws and uh, see some see some Disney time. So there you go. That is my Mickey bar, very literally and figuratively uh, ears first uh, in a week, a week from today. I'll be eating ears first and I'm looking forward to it. Isla, what do you have? My good is spaghetti pie. Apparently nobody else has heard of it, which I'm not surprised because my family is so weird. But we make spaghetti pie and it's the best thing ever. It's like my comfort thing. Like when my mom makes it, I feel really happy because I'm like, oh, this is like when I was a kid. So my mom made it the other night and then gave me like one to bake at my own house. And I had it for dinner Monday and it was amazing. The end. Things that are food related are always just make me happy in general. (laughs) Yes, I like food. I I, clearly you can tell by my physique. I I don't say no to many dishes. (laughs) Mackie, what you got, man? Uh, I mine is really stupid, but I uh rearranged my office. I haven't gotten a chance to. I said I was gonna tape kind of a bit of my process and where I work and stuff and put it on Patreon, and I haven't got a chance to do it because it's been really messy and I've been really busy. Um, but recently I literally just took my desk and turned it ninety degrees, and I'm very surprised as to how drastically that has changed my like psychology and my workflow and it opened up our room a lot more so uh i will finally get a chance to make a video on my post-production process on the podcast but also i just didn't realize how much changing the direction of one piece of furniture in a room can change your like mind and your outset and your feng shui man it's all about the feng shui i never believed in that stuff but i i kind of get it like just the one little just literally just 90 degrees makes the world of difference and I feel more motivated now. So that's kind of a put a smile on my face. No, it really helps productivity. That's like a real thing. Yeah, apparently. So and I I, I did it. <laughs> so now I'm motivated to do more work. 
Isla and Bart can speak to the feng shui that we need to fix in our den, in our downstairs, like oh yeah, like fireplace area. We've talked about it. We're gonna rotate the room exactly like ninety degrees. It's gonna make a huge difference, though. I used so. to do it in my bedroom all the time. I used to <laughs> like write on graph paper and just rearrange all my furniture and then do it. My dad would always be like, "What are you? Why? Who cares? Like, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "I just want to look at a different wall now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I need something different in my life. <laughs> like literally. And obviously, quarantine is driving us crazy. So like, just having anything be different was just so refreshing, and I. I didn't realize it was going to be this refreshing, and that was a really nice positive this week. Well, I am glad we all got to end on a high note. And Isla, what should they do? Smash that like button. Smash that like button. That's the most enthusiastic smash that like button I think we have ever heard from Isla. <laughs> smack that smack that like <laughs> I can't even say Okay, Akon, what are you going to smack? Jeez. <laughs> that all on the floor. Smash that like button, whether it's a heart, whether it's a thumbs up, whether it's a star, subscribe, whatever it is, hit that button. Let us know that you love this podcast. Another great way to do so. Our friend Tammy left one at the beginning of the show. Thank you much for it. A five-star review. It goes a long way to helping us grow this misfit mafia as much as we possibly can. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all the social media. Isla takes care of the Twitter over there, so if you like her witty banter, you get a lot more <laughs> of it over on Twitter. All those social media links are down in the bio. You just click that one link, it takes you to our page. You'll get to see our beautiful smiling faces and all the social media links, including the new edition of the Spotify playlist. That's right, you can follow us directly on Spotify by hitting the account, hit the follow button or go to our playlists directly from that link. If there is anything that you guys want to do to bring to the show, you can call us, you can email us anyway, shoot us a message on Instagram. And with all that said, one thing left for me to say, until next week, keep the magic alive, look out for each other, and we'll see you next time the Misfits come out and play. views expressed in this podcast are those of the misfits and are not associated with the disney company zad crew media our affiliates or sponsors and that was evan just professionally and politely telling you that we're just three misfits being assholes <laughs>